Welcome to the Tech Bytes portion of our episode. We're in a six-part series with Singtel about cloud networking. That is, how to make your existing wide area network communicate with cloud services in an effective way that maybe your legacy WAN isn't able to. Today is part four of six, and we're chatting with Mark Seabrook, Global Solutions Manager at Singtel, regarding some customer problems where they've had large WANs deployed, but found those wide area networks insufficient because of their workloads found in public clouds. Mark, welcome back to Day 2 Cloud. You've got some customer stories, which are our favorites, to share with us, and we want to focus on the problems those customers were dealing with in this tech bite. You don't have to name names because I know that's a contentious thing to do, but could you first summarize the type of network your customers had, some sort of a large MPLS WAN, right? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of a lot of customers um, had global or used to have global MPLS networks. So uh, we would put out um, two or one MPLS leg per site, thousands of sites across the world. Um, one of the big problems when moving to the cloud is everything was routed back via regional private data centers. Uh, there was no local breakout. Um, no local internet breakout. So we had a lot of uh, issues with uh, SLA levels, for example, different parts of the world have def different SLAs and just overcoming that breakout at a local level flexibility. Right, right. So if I can paint a picture a little bit, you've got all these different sites that have a network coming back to a central location in their region. So if we're in the US, you know, everything's coming back to New York or something, and then it's going out to the internet or to the cloud provider. And that's pretty inefficient from, uh, from a routing perspective. So you're implementing something to change that? A lot of our customers' sites would have a single MPLS. And we would, over the years, we've introduced a DIA internet circuit at each site. However, still didn't have the ability to monitor it and given like a 10,000 foot overview of what was going in across the globe or across the region. So Mark, like uh, you say DIA, direct internet access, as in they're pushing a lot of traffic just directly to and from the internet to get to their cloud services. And, you know, then the rest of it would be going over the MPLS. Yeah. So, I mean, when I say DIA, we're talking, yeah, dedicated internet access, however, a pure underlay. So unless you introduce uh, SD-WAN at the site level, um, with the orchestration at a regional level, you're not going to have any control over that DIA. So we got to we got to a stage where a lot of sites were pushing 70% of their traffic actually over the DIA, the internet pipe, as opposed to the MPLS, but we still didn't have any control over it. So by introducing uh, an SD-WAN across the network, we could control the, the local cloud breakout. We've got the orchestrator at a regional and a global level, and we can look at anything at any time and tweak anything in real time anywhere across the world. So, okay, SD-WAN as in now we've got an overlay on top of the MPLS circuit and the dedicated internet access circuit, and you can apply policy to that to have routing go over whichever circuit you want to meet whatever traffic forwarding criteria that you're looking for. Absolutely. Not only that, um, a lot of sites where we moved away from MPLS and we went to a dual uh, fiber internet solution, we could actually still give a MPLS-like SLA in various parts of the world just simply by the 
the redundancy and the load balancing magic that happens on an SD WAN. Load balancing magic. I, I love the way that you put that. And <laughs> definitely, uh, it sounds like an improvement over you know the MPLS and the separate DIA. Uh, were there some concerns, uh, either from security or privacy, when it came to moving from dedicated circuits and MPLS over to an SD WAN type solution? Absolutely. So we have some government customers where. Uh, they'll probably never move away from a private MPLS or private layer two connectivity. However, for a lot of commercial customers, the um, the IPsec tunnels, the security, the pointing, the internet breakouts through like a Zscaler, for example, um, soothes a lot of the fears that, that customers did have from going from an MPLS to uh, pure internet on a site level. Okay. So the, the customers that we're talking about, uh, they were looking to have additional control at the branch level. What, what types of things were they trying to control for? Or were they really just trying to get visibility and monitoring or, or, or both? Um, I'd say the first thing is the visibility and monitoring. So, you know, if you go to, a, if you look at a traditional MPLS world with uh, regular routers at the CE level, um, there's really not a lot that you're monitoring um, minute by minute, day by day. Um, and especially if you go to an, in, an internet model where you don't have SD-WAN, uh, what you're pushing over that is kind of, um, your visibility is kind of limited. Um, so, the, I mean, one of the wonderful things about the SD-WAN solutions that we've rolled out is the, the orchestrator. Um, member of the cust the customer can well, one of the wonderful things about the the MPLS that we've rolled out is the orchestrator so from a global level you can go to one screen look at all your devices click on a device get into it um, look at all the tunnels look at exactly what's happening real time all your underlays um, and so yeah. when you do that in, in the orchestrator, you get a sense of, uh, there's two things happening here. You're talking about the underlays. These are our physical circuits. And then the overlay, what the tunnels were actually pumping traffic through over the top of those circuits. But you have, via the orchestrator, a clear idea of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. You can even like now down to uh, the bandwidth, what, what each tunnel's uh, running at. Um, the performance level, you can look at all your underlays. So you can look in parts of the world, you can pull up stats from parts of the world where DIAs are much more reliable than other parts of the world versus MPLS or layer two. Really what you can monitor is only limited by your imagination, to be honest. So Mark, talk about that that monitoring. Another one of the advantages here that we're getting is being able to dynamically react to changing network circumstances. So at one moment, maybe the MPLS is going to be best performing for certain traffic and maybe DIA is best performing at other parts of, of the day, right? Yeah. I mean, with, for example, Silver Peak, um, it's doing that dynamically every second of the day. So if, you don't even have to worry about it. If you've got if, if the local edge connects uh, detects uh, some bandwidth fluctuations or some some jitter or some packet loss on a particular underlay, it will push traffic over um, over another link. It will use forward error correction, various tools to build up that kind of um, I call it a magic QoS. Um, <laughs> um, it, 
a way of, of establishing and maintaining that that MPLS SLA that you've enjoyed for years, but over a couple of different diverse internet circuits. Uh, okay, Magic QoS, as in if it's going over DAA, you don't actually have hop-by-hop control as you would with a true QoS system where you can tag the uh, the traffic with a DSCP value and then hop by hop, there's a behavior that's that packet's to be to be treated in accordance with. Well, you don't have that with the internet. It's a best effort transport. So how do you get a QoS-like experience? Well, you monitor the behavior of the circuit end to end and then push traffic over the circuit that's going to deliver you the SLA you're looking for at any given moment in time. You're not guaranteeing behavior across the circuit, but since you know what the circuit's going to deliver to you, you can push traffic where it needs to go. So that, that's where you're getting it with quote, magic QoS. It isn't actually QoS, but it, it ends up with a similar result. Yeah, correct. So, so basically, dynamically, we'll monitor it. The box is monitoring from the site, all of the underlays, and in real time, it's moving traffic around across tunnels, across overlays. We also put out uh, Thousand Eyes Enterprise agents to a lot of our customers that go with our UCPE model. If you want to do some real deep dive diagnostics on some of the internet underlay, that the SD-WAN isn't giving you, you've got thousand eyes uh, to go back and take a look and fine tune stuff. One thing I also say, we do use uh, deterministic internet around the world. So we do have uh, internet providers around the world that are partners where we have tweaked um, routing at a BGP level to take more optimal routes that we can actually control. Okay, so that's actually manipulating your traffic forwarding in the underlay in certain circumstances? Correct. We've also, some of our MPLS nodes around the world, we've actually got internet breakouts. So you can point from a local DIA, say in the States, to our gateway, say in LA, and then it will jump on a private deterministic route back to somewhere in Asia. Okay, so that's almost like a cloud accelerator product that you might see in AWS or, or Azure, but this is, this is private. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, we also use that with our uh, IP Transit, our Sticks product. So, for example, if you was to point or connect to, uh, for example, let's just say our IP Transit node in San Jose, we will give you an SLA and deterministic routing, obviously, back to somewhere in Asia. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us, Mark. And hey, thanks to everybody out there for listening. This was just part four of a six-part series. So we're going to hear more on building cloud-ready networks with Singtel in upcoming episodes. Part five will be in a couple of weeks, and we'll be reviewing solutions in the Singtel catalog that will help you turn your legacy win into a cloud-ready network.